Tin and Cole were gone. Where are they? The queen demanded. Is this another test? Said Cole. In the shadows of the deep dark, straining under the weight of a boy on either shoulder, Candlebeard ran. Chapter 21 Tin opened his eyes slowly. The world sounded very far away, muffled and dim, as if he were viewing it not through his own eyes, but through long, foggy tunnel. As the haze gradually cleared, his senses came back into focus. All around him, the forest was gray and cold and unfamiliar, and then, abruptly, his vision was eclipsed by a face. He blinked. In front of him stood the strange little bearded man from the Oddmire, his expression a cluster of relief and panic and sadness and urgency all at once. Tin began to feel dizzy, just trying to make th- take them all in. He pushed himself up stiffly. Cole was seated a few feet away, looking equally groggy and rubbing his arm. Where are we? asked Tin. I don't know, Cole admitted. I had a dream, Tin hesitated. I had a dream Mom came for us. But then we were we were running? He shook his head. We're, where are we? It's so dark. Watch out, there's thorns all over, Cole began. But his warning came too late, and Tin sliced his forehead, forearm on a nasty barb as he stretched. Ouch! He pulled the arm back. The vine behind him was as thick as his leg, and the thorns were like bowie knives all around them as the forest seemed to have been overtaken by the nasty plants. Across from Tin, Cole winced. He held up his own arm. There was a matching line of red that had already been inscribed. Got me, too. How did we get here? said Tin. The last thing I remember is the queen. Cole shrugged. Candlebeard? said Tin. Did you did you rescue us? The strange little man shuffled his feet. He nodded and then shook his head. His brow was wrinkled into a tod- tortured knot and his lips were tight. He's probably embarrassed because he's the reason the Queen of the Deep Dark caught us in the first place, said Cole. Candlebeard looked at him as if he had swallowed a toad. Wait a minute, you didn't lead us to the witch on purpose, did you? Candlebeard shook his head no, but he didn't look any less wretched about it. From within his beard, his candle sputtered. Doesn't matter now, said Tin. He came back for us. Why did you come back for us, said Cole. The hinky punk's shoulders drooped. He took a long, slow breath. When he was ready, he reached into the hollow of his beard. His weathered fingers passed right through the candle flame, and when he brought them out again, they were cupped as if holding a delicate butterfly. From his hands issued wisps of smoke. Tin and Cole watched in stunned silence as Candlebeard released his fingers. The little ball of smoke curled and dipped and spun as if it were alive. It slowed as it formed into foggy shapes. The boys leaned in, staring. From from the living smoke emerged images, a silken vision of half a dozen bearded figures. Other hinky punks, Tin said. His breath scattered the vision, and he closed his lips quickly. Candlebeard gently scooped another puff of smoke into the dark clearing. It swam in midair until a new picture formed. Now there were just two large figures standing over what appeared to be an infant. The figure on the left was very familiar. Is that you? whispered Cole. Did you have a little bearded baby? Candlebeard's eyes shone wetly, and he sighed, lost in the memory. The delicate child of smoke lay still, its candle unlit. 
and above the infant, the cloudy vision of the hinky punk reached into his beard and plucked out a smoking miniature candle. The figure across from him did the same. Tenderly, the two touched their flames together to light the third. They tucked the flickering candle into the infant's downy beard, and at once the baby's chest rose and fell, its tiny fingers wiggling. The apparition was already beginning to dissipate into the darkness. Before it had faded completely, the boys watched the cloudy Candlebeard lift his child in his arms, his face alight with joy. Candlebeard sat staring blankly at the empty air long after the images had vanished. Tears hung in the creased corners of his eyes. You looked very happy, Tin said, breaking the silence. Candlebeard nodded miserably. What happened to your son? said Cole. Was he taken away from you? Again, Candlebeard nodded. The tears rolled down his cheeks and nestled into his bristly mustache. That's why you came back for us, isn't it? said Tim. You lost your child to the witch, and you didn't want her to take us, too. Candlebeard's flame spat and flickered as the tears made their way down into his beards. He screwed his eyes shut and turned away. Thank you, said Cole. Candlebeard shook his head and waved them off, batting away the gratitude. He sniffed and wiped his face on one arm, pulling himself together. He gave the boys one more pained glass and, without further warning, began to wind his way between and through the labyrinth of the inky briar, black briars again. Wait! Slow down! Cole said, jumping to his feet. He pushed himself up and darted after the hinky punk. The vines climbed higher and higher around them as Cole trailed behind Candlebeard, with Tin following at his brother's heels. Shortly, they were not walking a trail at all, but crawling through spiral archways and claustrophobic tunnels of the pernicious plants. What little light made it through the brambles arrived sliced into thin ribbons. The flicker of Candlebeard's candle bobbed ahead of them farther and farther in the distance. Fable was feeling a lot of things. She was feeling fur and, and paws and a tough detail, yes, but she was also feeling guilty and worried and flustered. A peculiar smell lingered in the air, and a part of Fable's mind kept telling her that it was important for some reason, for the rest of her mind was having trouble concentrating. Being an animal was very distracting. The grown-ups had not stopped arguing, which did not help. My fault, the little angry man with the sharp teeth was yelling at the witch, if you hadn't just let us have the wee ones right off, but nah, had to get all tricksy, and now my changeling, mind your tongue. Before I remove it, thief, the witch replied. Who brought the changeling to the other side of the forest in the first place? Who left him there, a baby, unprotected, far from home, to be raised by strangers? Fable shook her head, trying to make sense of what they were talking about. Words sounded different through animal ears. Also, that smell kept tickling her nose, distracting her. Ah, you didn't have to remind me, you witchy woman. It didn't. I'll be taking the slippery blighter back for good as quick as we can find him. Annie Burton jabbed a finger at the goblin. Why, you? And then she said several words that Fable was fairly certain she would have not been allowed to repeat as a human girl, even if she could remember them. And when we do find them, there's no way that I'm ever letting you run away with either one of my children. Annie concluded. Calm yourself. Goblin chided, "'Tis not like I'm stealing your own precious mantlin. I'm only taking the one that's not yourn. Spare us. 
huffed the queen. You think we don't know what brought you into the baby's room all those years ago? Stealing her own true child was precisely your intention in the first place. Okay, I that's a wee bit true, but but I didn't Cole protested weakly. Just because you weren't any good at being awful doesn't make you any less guilty. Annie wheeled on the queen. You, she barked, do not get to help me. You steal children, too, and turn them in, into things. Fable pushed the smell to the back of her animal mind and gave a growly sort of grumble. The adults were talking about her now, and she could tell. She plodded forward on all fours while Annie railed at the queen. I saw you do it. Annie could do there. That's her right there, the poor girl. Annie was pointing right at Fable who turned her shaggy head sideways at the woman. Don't lie. You would have done the same to my boys if I hadn't stopped you. Admit it. The girl is not your concern, said the queen. Of course she's my concern, said Annie. She's an innocent child lost in the woods with a wicked witch. What sort of monster wouldn't be concerned? Fable stood in her hind legs beside the queen of the deep dark. She still only came up to the witch's waist. She pawed pleadingly at the queen's cloak, her hazel eyes blinking their wild, widest, sweetest, and saddest expression. The queen turned her glare towards the girl, unmoved by her piteous appeal. No, she said. Have you no heart at all? Annie implored. Course she doesn't have heart, Kill mumbled at Annie's back. Not for we girlies lost in the deep dark. The witch rolled her eyes. Fine, she said at last, scowling down at the pitiful cub. Go ahead. Cole gaped. Annie blinked. Fine, you, you'll give her back her human body? I will do no such thing. What I will give her, the queen said, still eyeing Fable, is my permission. Annie Burton blinked, not understanding. She glanced at Cole, but she, but he only shrugged. When she turned back, Fable was a girl again. Hi, the girl said meekly. Oh, goodness. Are you all right, sweetheart? Annie asked. I... Wait a minute. Fable scrolled up, her eyebrows concentrating. Thoughts were shuffling back into her human head. Yes, human brains definitely worked differently. She sniffed several times, turning this way and that. It's going to be okay, said Annie. Do you know where you are right now? Paraffin said Fable, gazing into the trees. What? asked Annie Burton. The girl clutched the witch's fur cloak. It's candle wax. I can smell it. You know what that means. You are wrong, said the queen. Their kind have left the forest. But her nose twitched, and Fable could tell that she smelt it too. They have not. I have met one. How do you think I got so far into the Oddmire? Please, we need to hurry. We need to do nothing of the sort. You aren't going anywhere until... The girl's voice was desperate. They don't know the forest like I do. You don't know the forest. I know enough to know where they're headed. The queen hesitated. Where are they headed? Annie said breathlessly. What's going on? The, boys, the queen's eyes flickered toward the trees for a moment. They might not know what's out that way, but I do, Papal said, and you know it too. You can't pretend you don't. Please, they'll die. Annie's eyes bounced from the girl to the witch. The queen regarded Fable coldly for a moment and then nodded. Fine, 
Find them quickly, she said. We will discuss your punishment after the boys are safe. Together, the girl and the witch started into the trees. Wait, Annie called after them. Pabel turned impatiently. Are you coming or what? How can you just trust that woman to help you after what she did? Annie said. Don't you even know who she is or what she is? Of course I do, said Pabel. She's my mom. Mothers, fathers, daughters, sons. The words were meaningless to the thing at the heart of the bramble. The thing was born of loneliness. It had been raised with fear and hate for its only companions. These words it knew. Family, however, family was a strange word. Family intrigued the creature. At first the notion had struck the thing as utterly pointless. What purpose was there in a brother? What value in a sister? And then the creature had discovered it. Pain. In families there was love. A trivial, meaningless emotion, to be sure. But with love came loss. Loss was so much more exquisite than simple solitude. A happy family was dull to the thing in the bramble. It was content and comfortable. When one tore a family apart, however, their pain would blossom. The suffering of a child ripped from its parent was misery tenfold. Anything the creature had known inside its perpetual prison, and it was delicious. The thing had found a feast of torment in breaking apart families in its new forest home. Poe, be kind. The fair folk had been especially delectable. The delight came from their magic. The thing fond recalled fondly the taste of their magic, the sensation of its filling the thing's senses. It sighed, but then, gradually, the fair folk had left the wild wood. The thing had been forced to set its spot itself on baby birds fallen from their nests, wolves separated from their packs, a doe who had lost her fawn. A meager existence over the years, these two fell into the clutches less and less frequently. The thing in the heart of the bramble was hungry. A vine beneath it trembled. The thing stiffened. The ragged cloak of shadows that defined the thing's bulky form shivered in excitement. Something had been caught. The creature closed its eyes to feel its victim's pain rippling through the forest. A child. Good. Children were the best at fear. A wave of energy snapped through the vine like an electric current, and the creature's eyes shot open. This was no fledgling fawn. The thing's heart began to race. It had not felt power like this in a very long time. The creature pulled its precious shadows closer, its nerves twitching in anticipation. It could feel the child's emotions pulsing at the other end of the vine, and it could feel the magic, real and raw, magic like the forest had, had all but forgotten. Tonight, the thing at the heart of the bramble was going to feast.